Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Long with this week's Smart Garden. Thanks so much for joining us. Denny Long coming up a little bit later from Lindus and their 40th anniversary celebration live from Baldwin between 9 and 10 o'clock. Denny Long standing by there. I'm in studio. My name is Steve Thompson. Pleased to be joined by Master Gardener Therese Haruni in studio for our Smart Garden show. And as you heard a moment ago, 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. You can text 81807. That is 81807. Therese, a pleasure to meet you. And pleasure to meet you. And uh, here we are, June 1st, prime time. Excellent. Get those tomatoes in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm sure uh, there are a lot of people out there that uh, want to put those tomatoes and some of those other warm, warm weather season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. in, in the ground too quickly. Yep. I, I, I think the spring was perfect for radishes and lettuce. And it was wonderful for the cool season crops. You are right about that, Steve. But the warm season crops... You don't really want to put those in till the ground's, you know, 60 degrees or warmer. And, and if overnight temperatures are 40 degrees, you know, your ground's not going to get very warm. So, yeah. So get those tomatoes going. Now you can get the tomatoes. Friday in. was a great tomato day. Friday was a great tomato. <laughs> Is that when you planted yours? No, I, no. I got them in a little bit earlier in the week. Oh, okay. I, I try to get everything planted by Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't feasible this right. year. There was still a lot of work to do. I had to turn the soil. I had to amend the soil mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. in my garden. I, yep. I just couldn't get it done, and I'm going to hopefully finish it off later today and tomorrow. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat a little I think bit behind. They are. Yep. And if anybody out there doesn't know what we are, we talking about cool season, warm season crops. You can always go to extend extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab um, and and figure it out. There's all kinds of really cool stuff on there. We also have a, uh, 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 oh, what am I going to say, a newsletter. And you can sign up for it. It's free. And um, you can sign up all different kinds of things, uh, the Garden Garden um, News. And Mary um, did an article on the boxwoods. Last time I was here, we had a lot of people with brown leaves on their boxwoods. And so there's a great article about what happened to your boxwoods over winter and what you should be doing to them now. So that's a little teaser. Go to the Yard and Garden line and get on the Yard and Garden news and find out. We invite you to call right now, 651-989-9226. You can text 81807. Without further ado, uh, let's go to the text line and start there. Can you transplant uh, peonies, rhubarb, hostas now, or is it too late? You can transplant anything you want at any time. 
there are always consequences. Rhubarb should be transplanted first thing in the spring, so it's probably a little late for that. Hostas, anytime you want to. Before the leaves come up is better. Otherwise, during the summer, you kind of mess up the leaves a little bit. They just look a little tattered. That's okay. It doesn't hurt the plant. Peonies, you really should move them after they finish blooming, and that would be in August. So you want them to recover from blooming and then move them in August. So um, no, no, and yes. So no for rhubarb, that's next spring. No for peonies, that's August. Yes for hostas, anytime you want. Yeah, peonies, they're getting ready to pop. I have eight healthy plants, uh, and I inherited these when I moved into the house 15 years ago, and and they're really doing well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I love these things. I know when the, they're, they're done flowering, there's some cleanup to do, et cetera, mm-hmm. but they're, they're an amazing They're amazing. Plant. And they're a really long lived plant. They have a deep root system. They don't like to be moved so that you can actually move into homes that the peonies have been there 50 to a hundred years, just like the lilacs. And they're just really long lived plants. So unless you have to move them, Wait till August, and then once you move and transplant those guys, you're going to knock them back three years. You may not see blooms on them. Uh, one of my favorites, rhubarb, that came up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is there anything you should do to rhubarb? Fertilize or yep. just leave it alone? Go ahead and fertilize them. They're heavy feeders. Um, and then when you do harvest them, again, you never cut your rhubarb. You always pull the rhubarb because you don't want the hollow stems to, to be open and then water gets in and you get root rot. But you pull the stems, you cut off the green leaves, and just leave the leaves right in the garden. That'll give a little mulch and a little um, compost right there in your garden, and then only eat the stems, the leaves you don't want to eat. All right, hostas can get chewed up a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow up on that. Is you know, there anything you can do with hostas to protect them um, from some of the insects that get in there? You know, if you have problems with bunnies or anything, you can or deer, you can put um, bird netting over the hostas. Uh, that helps. Um, usually, hostas don't have a lot of insect problems. They may have slug issues. That's it. Slugs. That's it. The slugs. Yeah. So you want to be watching out for slugs because we have wet weather here in Minnesota. We have humidity, so watch out for slugs as soon as you start. Start seeing slugs go out there on slug patrol. Um, leave boards down. Look at them every morning. When you see slugs underneath there, um, scrape them off onto the driveway, and hopefully the birds will eat them. Um, but then you can start using things like iron phosphate, which is a, a product. It'll be like Sluggo or Escargo are some of the names. But it's simply you put that down. The slugs don't like it, and it doesn't hurt birds or dogs or anything like that. It's not going to hurt the environment. Also, sometimes if you just stop watering your hostas a lot, so make sure they aren't extra watered. You don't need to do that. And um, instead of um, sometimes putting down a wood mulch will help because beetles can live in the wood mulch and beetles like to eat the slugs. So so you can use a lot of those different kinds of controls for slugs. All right. Uh, from our text line, I have some Carl Forrester grasses mm-hmm. that are about a foot in diameter and about seven years old. Now the grass seems to grow only on the outside of the clumps, and the middles have nothing growing. Is yep. this normal? That, it could be normal. Lots of grasses and lots of your perennials will die out in the center. That just means it's time for you to dig them up, divide them, um, get out that dead center stuff. And now you have a whole bunch of little plants, and you can go ahead and do that. And uh, Mary Myers actually wrote an article on ornamental grasses for the Yard and Garden line. So uh, go to that Yard and Garden News, and she'll tell you all about that. But, yep, anytime the center of your plant is dying out, it just means dig it up, divide it, get rid of the dead stuff, and then plant it on back again. All right, tropical hibiscus has been living in the house. When is it time to 
kick it outside. Well, you can do that anytime you want to get them used to being outside. There are a lot that you don't want them to be um, shocked by going outside because you've been babying them in the house. They haven't had direct sunlight. So you don't want to put them out in the environment where they're going to get too much direct sun or cold, hot weather. So put them out in the shade on these warm days. Let them hang out in the shade for about a week or so. Move them into a little sunnier area and then into a full sun. And just keep watering um, as you need to. And the watering will probably be different because we get rain um, and there's humidity in the air and it's different from our homes. So when you bring plants in or out, you always want to adjust to how you care for them because outside's very different than inside. And the shock to the system, kind of like someone here in January getting on a plane and going to Miami. Yes, you're going to get sunburned. <laughs> it's a big shock. It's pretty much like that for our plants too. Unfortunately, we can adjust pretty quick and we can wear sunscreen, but plants take a month or two to to kind of adjust to new environments. So they're slower at adjusting. So they can't put on the sunscreen and run for the shade. One more from the text line. We promise we'll go to the text line again later in the program at 81807-81807. We're doing some construction at our house. We need to move the tulips. Uh, if the tulip bulbs are dug up and replanted, will they survive? They probably should, yep. So um, dig them up, um, plant them as deep as they were. Um, when you can plant them in your new area, they should be just fine. Mm-hmm. All right, quick break. Therese Rooney okay. in studio. Master Gardener, it is our Smart Garden Show. Saturday mornings between 8 and 9 a.m. Steve in for Denny. Denny along uh, following the news and weather at 9 uh, from Linda's Construction with our home improvement show. We'll go to Renee, Dave, Carol, and Lynn all waiting on the phone lines here on the CCO. Welcome back. It is our Smart Garden Show. And, of course, Therese Haruni in studio, a master gardener. The phone number is 651-989-9226. You can text 81807. That is 81807. Let's go to the phone Let's lines. go to the phones. Yeah, we have a ton of calls lined up. 651-989-9226. Let's start with Renee. Renee, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Hi Renee. Hello. Um, good morning. Um, you know, I have a question about rhubarb. I heard somebody say that, you know, because of the type of winter that we had this year, you know, with the freezing and the thawing and everything, and like, you know, how the rhubarb uh, leaf is poisonous, mm-hmm. that some of that may have seeped down into the rhubarb stock, so maybe rhubarb isn't um, a usable item this year. Is that right? You know, I heard that the last time, too. Um, I would say go ahead and still use your rhubarb. We haven't had, um, the rhubarb wasn't up that much, and um, and the leaves would have been pretty small. There's not going to be a problem. I, I don't know that there would be a problem with that. Go ahead and use your rhubarb. Um, just don't eat the leaves. Uh, and, yeah, I'd say go ahead and use it. Yeah. Um, what, what about uh, rhubarb and cleanup? In the fall, usually the rhubarb mm-hmm. kind of I, I typically, with hostas and rhubarb, uh-huh. I'll leave that as cover over the winter months I leave that and then too. clean it up yeah. in the spring. I leave it as cover, too, because I'm a really lazy gardener. So I leave all that stuff as cover, <laughs> and hopefully Mother Nature takes care of 90% of it, so I have very little to clean up in the spring. So Because I just like it to melt right back into the soil, because I figured all that energy came out of the soil, let's put all that energy back into the soil. So that's how I do it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to Dave. Dave and Ramsey, you're hey, on Dave. the air. Hello. Yes, good morning. Hi. So i got a, a quick question. We have uh, several burning bushes that really haven't done well since the winter, and I'm wondering, is it prudent to trim back the burning bush or just to leave it 
and see if it uh, does better on a phone. Yeah, mine looks like absolute mess right now. I, I don't think it made it through the winter. Um, I, I think there was just some issues with the with the burning bush. What I would do, um, any of these plants that you think aren't leafing out, aren't doing really good, just take your pruners and start at the end of a branch and just start clipping every few inches till you come to green wood. If you get all the way to the soil, you know that whole branch is dead. But just cut back to green wood and then just leave it there and see if it leaves out. Also, look around the bottom in case rabbits girdled it. If rabbits girdled it, I'd cut it off right at the girdle point. Maybe it will re-sprout or it could just be dead and you need to replace it and try another plant there. But those are the two options I would do. All right, Carolyn Ramsey, you're up next. Carol, you're on the air. Hi, Carol. Oh, thank you. Um, I think the gentleman on the last caller answered my question, but I I want to switch gears and ask another question. We have a lot of creeping Charlie in our yard, and we've been um, digging it out of the garden and so forth. Now, what do you do with it? Because you can't compost it. It's going to affect that, and we're just... um, don't know what to do with it. Yeah, we you don't know, have yard waste pickup. Okay. You know, if it is not, um, if it is, what I would do is I would lay it out on the driveway and let it dry up a little bit. And if it's not gone to seed, throw it in your compost. It's not going to hurt that. Once it's out in the driveway, it'll dry up a little bit, turn into, you know, kind of just dried stuff. And then you can throw it in the compost bin. You can also put it in the compost bin, but it may sprout there, of course, if it if it's... um got too much on it. If it's already gone to seed, then I would not do that. Um, I, I would, I don't know if you can throw it in the garbage. I don't know how the city, your city or your, your area wants you to handle things like that. Not uh, toxic weeds or noxious weeds, not toxic, noxious weeds that you don't want to put in your compost bin. If you have a city collection, you can always send it to your city compost bin and um, then the heat of that will kill most everything. Good luck. Uh, let's go to Lynn in Rogers. Lynn, you're on the Smart Gardens program here on the CCO. Hi, Lynn. Hi. I have a hydrangea tree that um, is six years old, and only about half of it has leafed out. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to a friend of mine, and she said only about a quarter of hers has leafed out. Is it just really late this year, or is there damage? It, there could be some damage from from the uneven weather that we had. What I would do again is just just you know bend the branches if they're really flexible you can scrape off a little bit of the bark or you can do the pruning um just an inch at a time till you get to green wood and then just leave it um anything that's dead is dead cut it out it'll your your tree might look a little weird but cut out the dead stuff if it's dead um it just makes you happier and and you don't have to look at it otherwise just just encourage it you know just try not to do any more damage Try not to let the bunnies eat it. Um, don't run it over with the lawnmower. Things like that. Um, that. That's what I would do with those. Anything you've seen from winter damage. Good luck. All right. Okay, for, thank you. Thanks, you thanks, Lynn, for the call. Fertilizing hydrangeas. You, uh, you could. You could fertilize it. Um, you know, compost is always welcome. Uh, the, the nice time-release fertilizer first thing in the spring when they start coming out of dormancy is helpful, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what about getting the colors? Um, Lots of the hydrangeas don't change color with the acidity of the soil. Um, some of them are impacted by that. So if you want, if you do have one that's impacted by the, the acidity, the more um, alkaline your soil is, the pinker it is, the more acidic your soil is, the bluer it is, and you can adjust that usually using in our area down here in the cities um, soil sulfur to bring that uh, um, pH down uh, to make them blue. Otherwise, they'll probably just bloom pink beautifully because we have high pHs here. Out of the phones we go again. Larry, you're on the air. Thanks for calling. Hi, Larry. Good morning. Good morning. 
question about honeysuckles. I have three of them. Three out of, two out of the three have growth coming up from the bottom. The other one shows nothing, but I've got nothing on the old growth at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, bend the branches, see if they're, see if they're um, flexible. If they're flexible, I'd just give them a little time. Things are a little slow to leaf out. We think it's kind of warm, but everything is really slow this year. Uh, we were having, you know, really cold weather up until just a few weeks ago, and, and the plants need an extra amount of, of warmth and sunlight to actually um, indicate that they need to start waking up and come out of dormancy. So if they're not getting that sunlight and we had a lot of overcast days, that'll impact them coming out of dormancy too. Be patient. Our Smart Garden Show, Therese Haruni in studio, Master Gardener. We have full lines open right now, 651-989-9226. If you prefer to send a text, 81807, that is 81807. We'll be going to the text line very shortly. It is 8.33. Stephen Fredeni. It is our Smart Garden Show. Therese Haruni, Master Gardener, in studio for the entire hour. Denny Long, live from Linda's Construction, coming up following the news and weather at 9 o'clock today. It is our 40th anniversary celebration. Denny Long and uh, Andy Lindis, live from Lindis in Baldwin, coming up between 9 and 10 here on CCO. From our text line at 81807, 81807. This year my peonies are leggy. I've never heard that term, but I'm <laughs> sure you have, Teresa. I did fertilize about three weeks ago. The plants look tall with thinner stalks. Plenty of flower buds, so mm-hmm. what's going on? It could just be that they have less leaves than normal, and if you've noticed, maybe there's not enough sun getting there anymore. So when plants are t- getting really tall or really leggy, that means they're usually reaching for the sunshine. So hopefully there's still a lot of sunshine there, and they should be okay, but it's just different growth, and you can just, you know, it, did the sun change? No, then it's probably just a one-shot deal. Don't worry about it and say, hey, that was a cool win- That was a cool year that year when the peonies were leggy. Yeah, my, my peonies, um, once again, I'm doing the count. I have seven, and I inherited these seven. I rarely fertilize. The, the thing I do, though, is I cut them. One, once they're done in the fall, I cut them way back down mm-hmm. to the ground. I've had great success. That's really I generally important. don't. Yeah, yep. that's really important with the peonies to cut them back after they die back from the frost. You want to clean them up to the ground every year. It's because there's diseases that can harbor over. So your peonies and irises, those guys, you got to clean back every fall. But but am I a bad man for not fertilizing? No, nope. no. Nope. If but, they're happy, they're happy. If the ground's fine, you don't have to fertilize. You know, we we don't have to fertilize our plants if we have a healthy soil. They shouldn't need that. Um, so adding your compost or just having a really good soil really good soil environment, most of the plants will be just happy. In fact, a lot of our perennials get leggy, get tall, get, get overblown, they get fat. Um, they have too much, it's too much energy in there. So you don't need to fertilize a lot of your perennials. Um, from our text line, I have moss galore in one of my gardens. Cool. Uh, we have a significant amount <laughs> of shade. Uh, it's mostly a hosta garden. Mm-hmm. Um, should I get rid of this moss? Should I, I pick it out of there? You know, I would say the moss and the hostas are a beautiful combination. If you like that combination, and even Google moss gardens on the Internet and look at some pictures, you will fall in love with moss gardens. I wouldn't worry about it. They're not going to hurt your hostas. Your hostas will be fine. Um, moss is telling you that the soil's compacted, that the soil does not have a lot of energy in it. It's, it's kind of lean soil, that there's not a lot of air circulation, and there's a lot 
of moisture there. So, um, and it's shady. So moss is telling you all those things. So unless you change the environment, the moss is always going to come back. Um, but it's not going to hurt your hostas, and I think it would be a beautiful ground cover under hostas. I, I can just picture that being gorgeous. All right. My wife buys New Guinea impatience every year and pots them. Every year they die within two weeks. What are we doing wrong? Probably nothing. Um, well, if it's New Guinea impatience, they should not be getting the impatient, the 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 downy, uh, the um, impatient disease that that all the impatients got. New Guineas should be resistant to that. Um, I'm not sure why they're dying. I would go back to the grower or back to where you got them and find out, you know, what's the problem here. Make sure that they're not in the bright, super bright sun. Make sure you're watering them. Make sure you're potting them up um, with good potting soil in a container pot. And the potting soil you want to use in that is called potting soil, not garden soil. It has to be potting soil. And what is I mean, what is the difference? Because people can be confused. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're for in-ground use, for potting. Right. The potting soil often will have no soil in it. But even if it does have some soil in it, it's going to have a lot of other things that make it lighter. Um, if you just put regular garden soil into a pot, it's too heavy. And all the critters that live in the garden soil that keep it moving around, that keep it fluffy, they're all going to die in that pot. So pretty soon you're going to have like concrete in that pot and nothing's going to grow. So, so you don't want to add garden soil to pots. You always want potting soil in pots or container soil. That's what it will be called. And lots of times there is no real soil in it. Let's go to uh, Barbara in Minneapolis. Uh, Barbara, you're on the air. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Smart Garden Show. Hi, Barbara. Hi there. I have two questions if you have time. Sure. Uh, my, high, <clears throat> my rhubarb has been last year and this year. It's always been a big plant and very healthy leaves and so forth, but the stems of the rhubarb itself is skinny now. Mm-hmm. And I, do it doesn't need fertilizer. I'd probably uh, give it some fertilizer and make sure it's getting full sun. What kind of fertilizer? You know, just any kind of um, garden fertilizer will work. Anything you'd use on your flowers, anything you'd use okay. on your tomatoes, anything will work. Um, like 10 10 10, 5 5 5, 20 20 20, whatever you want to use, I would use that. Mm hmm. Very good, Barbara. Let's go to Larry in St. Louis Park. Larry, you're on the air. Hi, Larry. Hi, I've got a few questions. First of all, when do I trim back my tulips after they've bloomed? Second, I've got a clematis I just planted. They get some morning sun from the east. And then I I have like a 40-year-old, I don't know what it is. It's like a juniper bush that's on the south side of the house. It's real thick, uh, woody uh, stalks. It gets kind of brown on the tips, and I don't know if I should, uh, what I can do to perk it up. Okay. But it's an old, it's like sure. a juniper type thing, you know. It's like eight mm-hmm. feet long and five feet wide. Okay. All right. So um, the tulips, as soon as they finish blooming, you can go ahead and deadhead them. You need to leave the leaves up as long as possible, hopefully until the leaves actually brown up. Those leaves are gathering energy through photosynthesis for next year's flowers. So if you cut all the leaves off, you're not going to have flowers next year, and the plant may die. Clematis on the east, perfect for the clematis. They like their head in the sun and their feet in the shade. So always make sure that your clematis have um, something around the bottom, uh, some ground cover or something. But clematis in the east is absolutely perfect. And for the uh, juniper, the ground juniper that you need, just trim off the dead stuff. And it could just be some winter burn that you're seeing. Um, that's what I would think. It's probably just by because it's on the south, and even juniper po- could possibly get some winter burn on it um, on the south. Although that's one of the more hardy hardy um, evergreens that I would put on the south. So hope that answered your questions. 
Therese Haruni in studio. Master Gardener here on our Smart Garden Show. Let's go to Linda in Minneapolis. Linda, you're on the air. Hi, Linda. Hello. Hi. I have six cac- um, uh, Christmas cactuses. They're all sitting in the windowsill. They're all done blooming. And now the leaves are kind of getting purplish. They look healthy. Mm-hmm. But are they getting too much sun? Do I need to move them, or am I not watering them, or... or I don't know what... That, that's a good question. Sometimes the purple is from a little extra sunshine, and sometimes if you've been fertilizing, there couldn't be too much fertilizer in the soil. So they don't need to be fertilized. Um, and if you need to leave them in that window, that's not a problem. Just put up a sheer curtain between the window and the cactus, the Christmas cactus. That'll just break that sun enough, or just pull them back a little bit from the window. They might just be getting a little too much sun. What I would also do is go to the extension website, extension.um, n.edu and I would click on the garden tab and then just go to what's wrong with my plant and follow um, they have a great diagnostic there and that will really help you figure out what's wrong but sometimes the, the cactus especially if they're all doing it then it's probably the sunshine that would be my guess good luck we go to Shirley next Shirley you're on the air Hello. hi Shirley hi uh, thank you for your show and good morning well thank you I have two questions um, my Japanese lilac tree for the first time ever, is losing, is leaves are just flying off. Mm. And the second question is, my Jabura daisies, they always, uh, the heads always, the blossoms or, or what, the buds, always kind of turn over like they're not happy. Okay. And they, so, okay, I'll hang up and listen. Thank okay, you. Okay, thanks. I'm not sure why the Japanese lilac leaves are falling off. Um, I would look and see if, um, if we've had some really windy days, so sometimes the branch, the, the leaf attachment just kind of loses it and they fall off. You could have squirrels um, um, cleaning up the branches. I'd probably look and see what does it look like, where they fell off, and what do the leaves look like on the ground? Do they look like they were cut? Do they look like it was ripped? Um, are they all dried up? Maybe there's a disease going on there. Um, uh, you could look at borers down the stem of the plant, see if there's any holes for borers. Um, the Gabara daisies, um, they like the cooler weather. So if it got too hot, sometimes the buds will, will um, not be happy. And if they're the roots are getting too waterlogged. That could be it, too. So make sure that you have really good root drainage on those pots. They're not sitting in water. Um, those would be my two guesses. All right. Thanks for the call. So many great calls already on really the program. Really good calls. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. You can text 81807. And something we talked about off the air before the program, it's worth bringing up. Um Japanese beetles. Japanese beetles. Oh, uh, they're our friends, aren't they? They're uh, so pretty. Um, you know, um, the the website, the the extension website, has some good information on Japanese beetles. It's too late to treat the grubs. You can do beetle patrol. You don't have to be out there quite yet. Give it a week or two or three, and then just go out there as soon as you spot your beetles. You know, get rid of them. Put them in soapy water. Um, take a milk jug, cut it in half, so you just have the top. Turn it upside down like a funnel. Attach a plastic bag to it, and then you can just knock the beetles in. They'll slide into the plastic bag, and then you can tie them up. What you want to do is hit that population really early because as the beetles munch, the fragrance of those munch leaves attracts other beetles. Whatever you do, don't use the traps. That will attract beetles from far and wide. Um, there are some really good um, soil drenches you can use, some um, some uh, 
things you can put in the soil, whether it's a BT or whether it's a, there's a, a fungus that you can actually put in your soil that will uh, impact the grubs. So, so those are the kinds of things you can look for um, to get your Japanese beetle growth down. In right. the, or the end down. And speaking of insects, which this isn't really an insect. This is an arachnid. Did you ever wonder if we have poisonous spiders in Minnesota? I hmm. thought, no, there's no way they could well, survive Or do we have cold. spiders that bite? Hmm. Why don't you go to the Yard and Garden and um, go to the Yard and Garden News and check out Jeff, Jeff Hahn's article on spiders in Minnesota. I love spiders. So I, I enjoy reading about spiders. But if they're kind of freaky, you can go and just read about them. You don't have to actually see them. My oldest daughter, who's now in her mid-20s, is terrified of spiders. My sister is terrified of spiders, too. Yes. And if you live along the river, you're going to have spiders. You're going to have spiders, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I live along the river up in the northern suburbs, and mm-hmm. we have spiders, and she is terrified. horrified. And and you'll notice in August that all of a sudden the spiders are everywhere. And you go, why are there spiders everywhere? Well, because the bugs have all now, the insect population has gotten a lot bigger. And now the spiders are there to clean it up. So spiders in the garden are your friends. Um, spiders in the house, maybe you don't want them. Right. But, but but that's okay, too. You can take them outside. You can just make their, their lives uncomfortable. But, uh, yeah, spiders and insects and are fun. We have more from the text line at 81807. We have more on the phone line. Uh, Sherry, Cynthia, Steve, and Jan, hold on. We'll get to your calls momentarily. We have another quick break coming up here. It is our Smart Garden Show. Saturday morning between 8 and 9 o'clock. Steve sitting in for Denny. Thanks so much for joining us. Our Smart Garden Show continues. Pleased to be joined by Therese Haruni in studio, Master Gardener. So many great calls already great on the calls. program today. You have today. great callers here. It this, is just amazing. You have great listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the tag line is busy as well. Let's get to the phone calls right now. Let's start with Sherry in Winthrop. Sherry, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Sherry. Hi. Um, I'm calling about irises. About five years ago, I sparsely planted irises along a retaining wall. It's on the west side of my house. And uh, now I have a solid wall of irises, but they don't bloom anymore. What should I be doing differently? That, um, what you need to do, Sherry, is after they finish the blooming time, there'll probably be a few that bloom, but as long as they're still getting full sun, then you'll need to divide them. And when they get crowded, irises stop blooming. So you'll want to pull up the mother plants, look for the daughters, and then um, make it so that they, when you replant them out, that they walk away from each other. And all of this information is on the website, but actually what they do is the mother corm um, actually sends out daughter corms, which which is like a root, um, like a bulb, and then they keep going in the same direction. So you don't want them to crash into the one next to it. You want them to go into different directions, if that makes any sense. And then when you do transplant your irises, you do this in August. You want to cut back the leaves uh, about to six inches, to, so like a fan shape. And by this time, they've gotten a lot of inf- a lot of um, nutrition from the sun. And then um, you plant them, uh, divide them, and how you're going to divide them. And then when you plant them, you want to make sure that the back of the corm is just above the surface. You want to be able to see that. That's why we cut the leaves back, because if you didn't do that, the tall leaves would pull them right out after you plant them in the ground. So that's what you want to do. So go to the yard and garden line and um, click on the garden tab and check about how to divide irises. To Cynthia next in Medina. Cynthia, you're on the air. Hi, Uh, Cynthia. Ah, good morning. Um, I've got a climbing rope in my house, and I bought it two years ago. And 
Initially, it was hanging over the trellis, but it was dead. I trimmed back all the dead stuff, and I've been watching it. I've been making sure it gets water when it's dry. But that little puppy just does not want to climb again, and it doesn't look as healthy as it probably used to look before I moved there. Okay. How can I fix it? <laughs> what you want to do is make sure it's still getting full sun. Um, cutting back the dead was good. Dead is dead. It's not going to do anything. It sometimes just takes a little while to recover, it, and you also could give it some rose food, um, it, it, just a generic uh, garden you know, rose food um, fertilizer. Um, top dress with some compost if you'd like, and do just keep watching. And if water, if water is necessary, go ahead and water. This spring you probably haven't had to water, though. Yeah, my mom used to uh, have roses, mm-hmm. and my grandpa used to have roses. Mm-hmm. I, I've never felt compelled to take them on just because I remember uh, how much trouble the they can thorns, be at times. The thorns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like plants that beat up on me and draw yeah. blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. They, they can be a challenge. They can, it's, can be. Usually our climbing roses, they don't really climb. They just have um, long, long canes that are flexible, so you need to help them climb. Um, usually those are pretty hardy, and we have a lot of hardy shrub roses that are beautiful in here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in Minnesota. Um, I have heard on the on the uh, Master Gardener site, though, that a lot of people are having some dieback with some of their roses. It was just a weird winter, so that yeah. could be what you're experiencing, too. Yeah, and I know yeah. it, it caused a lot of problems with the turf. I know yeah. a lot of golf courses yeah. are struggling, and mm-hmm. people are struggling with their lawns and frustrated yeah. because it was such a it's tough a, winter. It's a weird winter. It was a weird winter, long, hard spring, so hopefully now things can even out and help our plants a little bit. Yeah, warm up a little yeah. bit. Let's go to Steve. You're next. Hi, Hello. Steve. Good morning. How are you today? I am well. How are you? I'm good. Say, I've got a couple of Austrian pine trees that are getting needle casts on them, and I was wondering if there's a home remedy that I can do for them or if I need to just contact an arborist to come out. I would definitely contact an arborist for the for the Rhizospira needle cast and, um, on any of your trees. If you're having a tree problem, contact a certified arborist. Um, don't try something yourself. Uh, trees are a big investment in our in our environment. They really add to your landscape, and, and they're big big ticket items. So you want to contact a certified arborist, and and they can really help you through and and let you know the reality of what the situation is you're facing. So good luck with that. I'd go with an arborist. Yeah, and losing a gigantic tree is a problem. I lost an ash tree, and it wasn't due to EAB. It was mm-hmm. just old age. It yeah. was time, but the arborist was able to walk us through that process mm-hmm. and make the decision to finally yeah. take the tree. But EAB continues to be a problem, it, Emerald Ash yeah. Borer. Yep, and they found it in the Minnetonka area now. So it's even out into the western suburbs. So, yeah. And there are treatments you can protect? There are there are some treatments you can use. Um, the, the tree care people have the treatments. It is something you have to apply every year, every three years, whatever they recommend. Um, it basically makes your whole tree poisonous. So any, any Emerald Ash Borers come in bore, then they, they eat it and they die. Um, but you may want to think about diversifying your, your local forest, you know, your local landscape forest in your yard. Add something else. Don't add a maple. Don't add a, another ash. Add something else. Um, let's go to Jan. You're on the air. Hi, Jan. Go for a floral garden that has invasive chickweed. Oh, dear. Um, you know, chickweed's an annual weed, so keep pulling it. 
Um, you you want to get it before it goes to seed. And if this is a floral garden that you um, don't rely on seeds for planting and or reseeding, you can use some of the pre-emergent um, that you may want to put down. But I would just try to pull up as much chickweed as you possibly can. And then if you can, put some mulch in the areas um, that the chickweed was and cover up that soil so that any weeds that are in the or any seeds that are in the soil don't sprout again. Um, try to get that stuff before it goes to, to flower. Good and good flower and seed. Good luck. That's a tough one. I planted two different varieties of asparagus this spring. Uh, how long before I can harvest? How long does it take for asparagus to get established? <laughs> you have to be patient. Uh, patient, son, patient. You need to wait at least three years. And that's that's because you want those roots and all those systems to get really big. Um, so the second year, if they look really robust and you have a huge amount of asparagus, I will let you pick one stem of each plant of each kind. So you can have two little stalks, but then you do have to wait to the third year to really harvest. So that's what I would say: wait three years. Wow. And asparagus, what a treat. It is a wonderful. It's one of those springs, those spring foods. You know, we look forward to asparagus all year long. You know how much you look forward to asparagus? That's how much the bunnies look forward to your hostas and the deer. Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to argue know? with that. Um, what about seeds? From our text line, uh, I have some seed packets from last year. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. it still okay? Yep. Use those seeds up. Go ahead and use them. If you're really wondering, are the seeds even worth it? You could do the tricky little thing of where you put the seeds on a damp paper towel, uh, like 10 seeds. Put them in a Ziploc bag and then check them after the time they are supposed to be sprouting and then count how many seeds sprout. If 10 sprouts, that means you have 100% germination rate. Plant them as per the package. If two sprout, you have a 20% germination rate. And then really overseed. Um, if none of them sprout, say thank you seeds and toss them into your compost bin. Uh, boxwoods. Uh, appear to have been scalded. The leaves are yellow. Yep. Um, this this is where I want you to go to the Yard and Garden line and click on the Garden News and check Mary's article on the boxwoods. Um, they did get a lot of winter burn. Uh, so, so you want to check. Mary will tell you how to take care of that, um, when to cut it, when not to cut it, what to do, and how to protect it next year. Um, also make sure if it, the leaves are just yellow, and I'm just throwing this out there, um, male dogs do lift their legs and pee, and that can brown up and, and yellow your plant leaves. So if that could be an issue, think about that too. But usually it's the winter burn. Good luck. Well, so many great calls and texts on the program today. Of course, our Smart Garden Show every Saturday morning between 8 and 9 o'clock. Therese Haruni instead, or in studio today. Uh, Therese, tell us a little bit about uh, the website and uh, give us that info Good one point. more time. Mm-hmm. Yep, so go to extension.umn.edu and click on the Garden tab. Sign up for the Yard and Garden News. Go to Farmer's Markets. Find your master gardeners. Ask them all kinds of questions because they can't stop talking about gardens and they will be so happy to answer any of your questions. I always learn so much. I learned so much from the callers. Thank you. It was great working with you, Steve. Great, great program. And of course, thank you. Denny returns next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.